Tobias Carlyle is the founder and principal of Acquire's Funds. For regulatory reasons, he will not discuss any of the Acquire's Funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Acquire's Funds or affiliates. For more information, visit acquiresfunds.com. Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. Hello, folks. It's Tuesday, 10.30 a.m. West Coast, 1.30 p.m. East Coast. If you'd like to listen to the podcast live, just go to the Acquirers podcast YouTube channel, subscribe, you'll get a notification. And uh, then you can come in and listen to all of this nonsense live. And you can comment and uh, we'll ignore the comments. So, <laughs> how are you, gents? Yeah, and also, one or like, two downvotes, please. Yeah, if you downvote <laughs> us, how about you leave a comment instead of just downvoting and running like a pansy? Mate, we're going to get a whole why. lot of downvotes for that. <laughs> oh, all right, well, don't fine. downvote. My, I don't care. Upvote or downvote. It's all engagement. It all counts. Do it. it. You know hey. what? I can't, take, I, can't take, I can't take a downvote oh, with Madrid. no comment. London, That's Ontario. Kind of sauce. Kelly, when chicken I used in. to review people on Yelp, Dubai. if I was talking shit, I would say exactly why. Nah, leave it down, vote. No one cares. <laughs> why? Why just get like eight hundred? That'd be hilarious. Doesn't matter. You can't take away nothing. It's all engagement. <laughs> I literally don't care. Go, go bananas. Just leave a comment too, or not. Anything fun happening in the markets this week, gents? I legit don't really know. And I'm pretty happy that I have that to say. I can give you a little. So for the folks who care about value, like both of you to the left, or the, the 10 of you blokes who keep on ch- tuning in. Uh, so we had a pretty good run from 1 September. Uh, died about a week ago. I uh, don't know what to say. There's, it's, it's like, it's not big wave surfing anymore. It's like, it's the flattest little lake anywhere. And you're out there with your boogie board. Like... Two foot water, like a three year old trying to catch a, trying to catch a little wave. Get that little wave. Yeah, more like a bathtub. I slept nicely for about a week. Resting heart rate was pretty low. <laughs> Spiking back again now. <laughs> yeah, can we correlate your uh, recovery scores with? I've I've got it all market? on the Fitbit. I've got it all on the Fitbit. I'll leave my Fitbit to uh, to science when I pass away. They can. <laughs> this, this is what a value investor looked like in the middle of it. Yeah, look at his. He wasn't. He's getting two hours of sleep a night. <laughs> What's funny is Google already knows, man, because they can That's see it. your search history. <laughs> They've got the whole portfolio. How to tie this? Dude, that's kind of wild. Do you think they're gonna like see your heart rate and your search history at the same time? Jeez. I don't know what they can do with it. Something. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather confess to murder. Oil. I'd like to confess to murder. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up, Value Stock Geek? Welcome to the show. You're getting that notification before I am. That's amazing. I'm um, I'm on the You're YouTube in the future. machine yeah. because I was off center yet last week, and y'all didn't sh- tell me. So now I have to do my own due diligence. <laughs> How do I? Am I in the center? I don't even never look at Mate, that. You look great. That mustache is is right cutting the screen in half. It's great. It is yes. almost the Strong. mustache is almost the entire picture. Anyway, I will take this intro. Welcome to Value After Hours. Uh, I am one of the hosts, Bill Brewster, along with my esteemed co-hosts, Jake Taylor and Toby Carlisle. Jake, what are you going to be talking about today? I have a little veggie story segment on business code breaking. Ooh. Okay. I dig that. I kind of like that. Yeah. Toby, what are you going to talk about? Um, Edward Chancellor, one of my favorite authors, wrote Devil Take the Hindmost, uh, which is one of my favorite books. I've read it probably five or six times and I've got about 300 of those little plastic flags through the whole book. It's very hard to read it without rustling the book. It has a little interview that's come out. Um, As I read through it, I thought this is all really, really old-fashioned stuff and I agree with every single thing that he says. So uh, I guess I've got really old-fashioned views about the way that investing in the world works. So we're going to go through a few of those old-fashioned views. I what think I might really? piggyback on you, Toby, because uh, I was reading Market Wizards today, which is a very trader-focused book. But I think uh, I think that stuff is really interesting to read, and I have enjoyed uh, looking at 
at markets through different lenses through time, so it was kind of fun to pick up. I sort of went to bat for Puru. I have no idea if I should have on the Twitter machine or not, but he's a nice guy. I just think he's got a different style. Uh, yeah. Anyway, people are calling his, his returns fake news, so he, he threw down a million-dollar bet and said, put your money where your mouth is, fool. Uh, so nobody has. Don't bet. I would advise people... Yeah, I would advise people not to take that. That's called information asymmetry. He's got a lot more information than you do, and it's a million bucks. So, Well, it might be a million bucks uh, more if you take that bet, too. That's right. Well, the thing is, that's a nice bluff, right? You just tell people a big number, but, uh, you know, you got to be willing to put up. Somebody commented on my, uh, my Twitter feed. They called it BDE, which I had to look up, but it made me laugh. Anyway, <laughs> Jake, why don't you, uh, why don't you take uh, the just, first Just second. before you do, I want to, you guys know that story about Liars Poker where uh, they used to play it a lot at Salomon Brothers in the, on the trading floor. And, great book. Yeah, great book. Well, that's where yeah. the story comes from, where the guys were um, playing based on the numbers, I think, on a, on a note that you held in your hand. And, we call uh, them dollar bills here. That's in the true. United yes. States, Note is Australian. Is Note, it? No, yeah, call them nuts. All right. Enough. Dollar bills. Oh, no. Sorry, I mean, folks. Technically, Federal are Reserve things you used Note, to but, yeah. write the girls in first grade. Or, wait, first grade? That's a little early. So, you know, Merriweather's <laughs> the gun player of this game and good friend who's running the bank wants to come over and um, challenge him. And so he walks over and he says, uh, one hand, one million dollars no tears which means we're playing for a million dollars but if you lose you can't tell anybody and so mm. uh, Merriweather responds one hand ten million dollars no tears in which case which time good friend says you're nuts and walks away but <laughs> the, it illustrates what a good trade of Merry, uh, Merriweather was because he was he was playing liars poker before they even started yeah That's I like good. that it's you yeah. know it's a it's a cool like if you are in the position that Peru's in Saying a million bucks really puts the decision to somebody, right? It's like, you really want to call me out on this? Fine. Like, let's do this. It's a very good A, bluff, or B, way to get yourself a lot of money. Either way, I respect the move. I'd never do it. What, that, call him that's out? That's LDE. <laughs> I think it's SDE would be the opposite of BDE. Yeah, but anyway, I, my, I don't My know. L was limp. Let's, let, let's go. Let's go, JT, let's before go. we go too far off the... <laughs> Yes, we've already yeah. derailed. Welcome, folks. A, that's the best conversation you're going to get. The rest is just crud. All right. Let's, uh, let's go back to 1940 London, and you're walking down the street, and the siren goes off, and people nonchalantly start walking towards the tube entrances, and they go down there, and all of a sudden the bombing starts. And this is the the bombing uh, that Germany was doing of, of England at that time during World War II. And it's, I've always been amazed me how people have uh, learned how to live with that constant, you know, fear of death happening at any time. But what's interesting is, uh, you know, this, if you've seen the movie, the imitation game, uh, some of this will be familiar, but the, the Germans had this coding machine that was called uh, the Enigma machine. And, it was basically a keyboard that was connected to this scrambling unit. And the scrambler unit had three separate rotors on it. And in those positions of the rotors would tell how each letter would be, would be coded and enciphered. And so there was three, the, the way the math worked out, there were three rotors to choose from of five. And each rotor had 26 different positions on it. So right there, you get more than one million configurations that can happen. Um, and then there was a plug board on the back of the Enigma machine that the wires would connect to with the keyboard. And those had different positions that could be programmed. And before you knew it, it had 150 million, million, million different setups, right? So, and, and the rotors would change after every single letter, right? So you would put it in there, the rotors would change the next one. Um, so Alan Turing was this, you know, very, very famous early, uh, call him a computer scientist, mathematician. And he tried to crack the, the German code using this, this machine that he had, had created. Um, and really what they were always, what was difficult was that they were racing the clock as far as getting the, the signal and then trying to decipher it before whatever the outcome was. So they had, uh, like, you know, let's say that it was, 
the German Navy had said, like, go sink this ship. Like, they're racing the clock to figure out, like, which ship was in danger before they could, uh, you know, before the Germans were able to take the action. Uh, and every message would contain clues for the code breakers to help them narrow down that 150, whatever that is, quadrillion uh, permutations. Um, so the Germans then would, would, to counter that, would keep their messages short and so that there were less words that, that could be keyed off of. And so what the, the, the English would do is they would look for often weather reports because they would have words like fog or wind speed in them, and then they could get those letters to, deciphered and then back into it and shrink down the available number of permutations. Um, so they would crack it on one day, they guess at it, and then for the rest of the day they could decode it, but then the next day it was back to the grind and trying to decode it and save and basically save lives, right? Um, so one thing they would do is they would ask the, the Royal Air Force to mine, like drop mines into a certain harbor so that then they could pick up that message of, you know, from the harbor master that said, you know, either like the word mine or avoid or something like that. Like, so they were sort of seeding what was the, what they could get out of the codes. So to counter that in 1942, the Germans added a fourth wheel to the Enigma machine, which then exploded the permutations even further. Um, so, you know, th what this did was it allowed the British to have advanced warnings of when the Luftwaffe was going to be attacking. And, it ended up saving millions and millions of lives. Um, now, what was interesting was that they they had to be careful not to show their hand because then the Germans would escalate their encryption even further, right? So there were rumors that Churchill actually allowed a really devastating raid to happen on Coventry because they were worried that the Germans were getting wise to that that the English were cracking the codes. So... There's a saying that, uh, you know, where there's mystery, there's margin. And, uh, you know, what this has me wondering is if if maybe the, the you know, Peter Thiel talks about monopolies and how they're very quiet about it. They won't tell you that they have a monopoly. If anything, they will reframe the whole discussion around the market size that they're tackling into bigger buckets so that they look like a smaller portion of it, even though they're maybe dominating that that niche that they're actually operating in. Um, and maybe like a, a medium ROIC business that's just cruising along at 10 to 20% maybe uh, and, and avoiding competition for a really long stretch is sort of that it seems suboptimal, but from a game theory standpoint, maybe it's exactly optimal, similar to the code breakers not wanting to tip their hand that they were had something special going on, right? That they were winning and they just, you don't want, you want to be quiet about it when you're winning, right? Um, and maybe even you're investing in moonshots, or uh, maybe you have to maybe you have to go public, so that uh, you know it feels like everyone can kind of win because of this. Because it's if just two guys that are ch cashing all these checks. Like when you you find some magic lamp that just prints money, you kind of have to be careful what you do with that. You got to be quiet. Someone might want to take that away from you. So maybe you have to do things that appear very suboptimal to hide the fact that you are capable of winning and breaking sort of breaking the business code so guys got any thoughts on that yeah i, I just wanted to there's a there's up on the screen now cryptonomicon thanks robinson that that is a fantastic book by neil stevenson one of my favorite authors about uh about there's a three book series about f breaking the enigma code uh and all that followed on from the ground it's it's fictionalized but it's it's a fun read yeah it's kind of fascinating that they They'd cracked it, and then they had to pretend that they, they had to like send out a. If they knew where a convoy was going, they'd send a send out a spotter plane so they could say, "Well, the the spotter saw the convoy before we bombed it." That's how we came up with that information, rather than uh, we cracked Just the code. Just showing up with the yeah. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. I I, I think that uh, the the example that you gave is fascinating as well. I wonder if there are others that are like that that are. Uh, disguising how profitable they really are to sort of avoid competition. Do you think it matters though if you if you're that if you're that entrenched? And what, what are you trying to avoid? Re regulation. Uh, yeah, I think regulation. Um, maybe I mean attract like high ROIC is going to attract competition, right? Eventually. So you kind of want to be quiet about it. Maybe cloud it with some, you know, other other expenditures 
you know, maybe even carry extra employees that you don't even need. Maybe, I mean, just to, just to keep it down a little bit. I mean, you're still going to be making plenty of money. Maybe you're playing a little bit of a longer game as opposed to trying to win this very short time frame at a maximum. Yeah. Sort of an, it's a longer optimization. I mean, this is, people say this is what Facebook's doing <clears throat> with a lot of their spend. Right, like you just, they're spending so much to hide how profitable they really are. Could be. Might be true. I don't know. The thing that sucks for them is they can't really sell their data center space because no one trusts them. It'd be nice if they could sort of like enter the Amazon, Microsoft, Google party, but like you're going to give your stuff to Facebook, really? Okay. <laughs> well, what, what, why, is Google any, why is Google any better? Uh, perception. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, 100%. They, right? They have a brand of trust, and like Facebook has a brand of not trust. I think Google's just been very clever at, like, you That's give right. enormous amounts of information to Google. They've got my Gmail. They know what I watch on yeah. YouTube. They know what I search. They own me. Yeah, you but know? they're, they're Google, right? Fitbit. So it's like cool. My Fitbit. Yeah, if they come to blackmail me, I'm gone. <laughs> I'll just pay that ransom. I probably already do. Yeah, so Google. But then I don't I don't log into Facebook at all. Yeah. I mean, I I just I I don't know. I trust Google, right? I don't trust Facebook in the same way fundamentally. Doesn't make any sense. I saw that I saw that Google wants to start charging for its meetings. So you know, uh it's that that thing that co that competes with Zoom and with Skype and uh, everything else that's out there. They want to start charging for it. I was like, "That's that's early, isn't it? That's that's bold." Have, have people started using that. that as a default? You're talking about Google Meetup, you yeah? Said? The, whatever that whatever that Meet thing is that they have. It's kind of odd, especially since Zoom can be worth 140 billion dollars, not charging anybody anything. Yeah, I know they actually have revenue, folks. It's a joke. <laughs> you're just you're just salty because you're losing your your bet. It doesn't help. It's not mark to market <laughs> until until what? February 2023, 2022. I got a buddy that's, a, yeah, we got a, we got a buddy uh, that says that, you know, if it's not a top three priority for the big tech companies, you can sort of like swim in the ecosystem without them eating you. Tell you what, your valuation gets much bigger. You become a top three priority quick. Mm. Target on your back. Right. I mean, 200 billion, that's like, that moves the needle for all these guys. So how much more can you compound before they try to kill you? Now, people can be like, oh, they can't kill Zoom. You revenue line's not Zoom. that impressive, though. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Nobody cares about revenue, though, or SGNA anymore. It's just valuation. Or SBC. Mm. To be fair on the share base comp, not that... Uh, I would just say if I was running these companies, I would be doing the exact same thing. 100%. Right. I'm not, I'm not yeah. criticizing them doing it. I'm no, criticizing buying no, it, expecting that it doesn't suppliers. count. I understand. I, I, do, I do think, though, sometimes my brain has criticized some of them for, like, overinflated SG&A and overinflated share-based compensation. And then I think, like, well, then again, if the market's going to reward you with this kind of valuation for revenue growth, why the hell wouldn't you just do everything you possibly can to – pour gasoline on all your revenue growth you're selling options into a pretty rich market like i'd be doing the same thing i'd be like nobody gives a shit if i generate any cash everybody's willing to finance everything i can issue shares like crazy and i can sell options and buy a mansion like why would you not do that it would be stupid not to do that well that was the gag.com 1.0 right like don't don't turn a profit because there's a moment you turn a profit you can be valued Kill your valuation yeah so just stay stay profitless and like it's all it's all blue skies if you're if you're profitless yeah well gavin baker said something once he's like the key is to know before the market does when my companies are going to re-rate off off a revenue multiple right to like earnings how would you know something like that well i think i think and i might be misquoting who it was i'm pretty sure it was him but i think his point is like if you can it, first of all, one, he focuses on spaces that trade on revenue multiples. So I think that you have a little bit more of a feel of where in a growth cycle people start to care and people stop to care. Second, I mean, if I am correct that it was him, he was in fidelity. He has a sense of how institutional sales sell ideas to investors, right? Like, I mean, he's you get plugged into that. So I think that there's uh, you may know in story arcs when to bail and when not to, right? It's the old like 
I mean, it's not the old, but I think it's somewhat similar to thinking like, okay, you buy an inning two and you sell an inning six, and then whoever buys an inning seven is screwed. Maybe inning eight and nine, you can make some money. Yeah, I think I'm too old-fashioned. I'm still trying to come up with valuations for these things and try to buy basis on the basis of the valuation. Yeah, all that well, other dude, stuff's too hard. That, owns banks. that other stuff's I mean, just was, too hard. Dude, I was talking to somebody about. Um, I forget who it was. It might have been Wasteland Capital. I forget. But uh, on about Chime. So the way that Chime works in fintech, Chime basically goes out and they sign up a bunch of consumer deposits, right, for a bank. The bank is not the person that's procuring the deposits. Chime is a fo- or like a customer-facing app. They gather deposits. They say that you're not charged any fees. Those deposits are not deposited in Chime's business. They are deposited in a bank that allows Chime to do that, right? So Chime has no bank charter. The way Chime earns money is they get paid a percentage of the credit card that you use, right? So in a typical transaction, the bank pays, you know, makes a little bit, Chime skims a little of that. In order to sort of use, like as a marketing expense, they'll take fronting risks. So they'll pay you your, uh, your salary up front and, like two days later, the bank pays them back. So it's like a little bit of fronting risk. The bank behind Chime, what are they doing with the deposits? That's my question. Because in a zero rate world, it feels like if you don't have any fees and you're subscale, there's a chance your credit risk is pretty interesting. Like I would love to dig into what that bank is doing with those deposits because there's not that much reason to have deposits if you're a bank especially if you're not paying any fees up, right? Like you're lending. What are you buying? Do you have the answer? What short-term money market? Like for now, I mean, you get you would drown. There's not enough yield, not I don't enough think. Yield. That's that's the thing that's core, like that's where I keep going with all these these bank ideas is like it, eventually I think that our interest rate policy just destroys small banks. I don't see how you can actually comply with compliance and have the support functions that are necessary to run a bank and not have any yield out there. Like, I, I mean, and I might be really dumb on this and I might really be missing something. I guess M&A you can grow through, but like... How do the Japanese banks look these days? I doubt they look good. I mean, European banks have been smashed to pieces, but Japan probably got yeah, there well, first. Yeah, well, McKinsey said, I, I think McKinsey had it at like 10% of the banks make 80% of the profits. And they're like all in the US for the most part. So I don't know, but just good comment here. It, Baron says in a zero rate environment, banking industry will average a 13% return on equity, which is about, which is a little bit subnormal for S&P 500 averages 13.36. So that's a little bit, but not, not too bad. No. That's about average. Whatever you do, don't buy Wells Fargo to 0.7 times book. God forbid they should only earn 13% on that. <clears throat> so wait, you leverage up 30 times equity to get 13% ROE? Hey, no, ROA, <laughs> come on. It's 1.3 and they're 10 times levered. Get out of here with that 30 times leverage. You're living in 2006. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's much better. I was making a I was making a joke, Bill. Well, don't. You got the Fed okay. backstop there too. <laughs> and no, no, nobody nobody oh, fails dude, anymore I thought, either. I thought for a brief moment you were drinking bush. Because it's that Waterloo that can look like a bush, and if you were drinking a bush with that stash, that would have been so sweet. Instead, Very, it's like a grape sparkling water, which is leaves me wanting. Very on brand. Looks like it's eleven to twelve percent. Okay, so we're just correcting slightly there. Return on equity eleven to twelve percent, slightly subnormal. Yeah. Should trade at a discount to book. Eleven well, percent of thirteen percent times book. What's that work out to? 85% or something like that. You make 11% a 0% world. Sounds horrible. It'll still trade at a discount to book though because you can get the S&P 500 at 13.3 roughly. That's fine. Uh, do you want to do your topic or do you want me to do mine? You do yours. I, uh, I've got, I just, I, I, I might punt a little bit on Edward. We can talk about Edward in a moment, but I just, your, your piece reminded me about a book that I read called The Big Con, which is kind of interesting. There was this period of time about a hundred years ago where there were these. So, you know, the movie The Sting is about the big con, where basically there were different variations of it the wire, the rag. And the idea was basically um, they were were established 
uh, stores. Like it was literally a physical location and there would be actors in this physical location. And they did this. This is what their job was. They did this all day long. And so the roper, so that would be, I might be traveling around on a train, sitting in first class, and I might talk to the gentleman beside me and he's like, oh, I've got this great deal. I've got this great stock deal or I've got this great scam. And basically the idea was you would be pitched this idea that was um, basically a way to scam somebody else. And so if that attracted you, if the idea of scamming another person was appealing to you, then you would come into this, the, you, you were talking to the roper and then he would take you to the store and at the store, you'd be taken for what you had, but you'd be, you'd be the whole time you thought that you were in on the scam. That's how they got you. That's why, that's where that expression, you can't scam an honest man comes from. Like you have to be, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Just got a little freeze at this end. There's some that are gambling based. There's some that the stock based one, I think the stock based one was, I'm going to confuse these a little bit because I read this book a little while ago, but the wire or the rag, I think it's the wire. So basically the roper brings you into the, to the, uh, the brokerage, which is not, not a real brokerage it's it's entirely and this is there all the time scamming people so it's like mahogany and there are people running around in like suspenders and writing stuff on chalkboards and doing things like that and they take you into the office and they sit you down with the inside man inside man is there all the time this is what he does day in day out so he's very good at this and he will say i've got this um i've got this information that there's going to be this uh play in this there's a pool being put together to manipulate this particular stock and uh, basically, I can't participate because I'm connected. We're going to need a front man and it's going to be you. You have to bring us some money. Like, so they would send them home to get money. Then they'd come back with their 50 grand, which, you know, you could probably 10 exit for 20 to 50 grand, 10 exit for today. They'd come back, bring their money in, and somehow these guys would take it from them. But then there would be, you had to, you had to do these various different little tricks. Like, so they'd... The guy would lose all of his money because something would go wrong. And then they'd say, like, they'd offer him a way to get his money back. And some of these guys would come back over and over again. More money. Not realizing that it was a scam. But then mm. if, they, if they kind of figured out what was happening, there'd be some kind of... Uh, the roper would accuse the inside man and the inside man would then do something like pull out a gun and shoot the roper and the roper would have like a chicken bladder filled with blood in his mouth what? and he'd bite down so all the blood would have come you, out have you not seen this thing this Bill? very no. similar story to this thing oh it's a great movie you gotta watch that it's so huh. good and so basically the guy would think that he's like now in like that the inside man would run with the mark and they'd go and they'd go to a hotel and he'd say well now we're like we're all looks like oh, we're all gonna go fugitive? down for yeah now well, we're all gonna no, go down for attempted like, murder can't go anywhere you can't go anywhere to like, you can't go to the police, right? Because it's like, now you're caught up in all this stuff. You just have yeah, to like dude. completely walk away. That sucks. So they'd send. That would be a bad day. But then they'd push the guy on. They'd tell, well, you go meet me and you go to, you go to Chicago and I'll be there. I'll be in Chicago in two weeks. And the guy just never, never turn up. But you'd always like, eventually you'd either figure out you got scammed, but you'd be so embarrassed by the way that happened. You wouldn't tell anybody or you'd think that you were implicated in, uh, in a murder and you didn't and you wouldn't want to tell anybody about it so you just get home so nobody would ever tell anybody about it that's why they were able to keep on going yeah i don't think in I, the sting it was a horse racing operation with with front running information but yeah that's 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 food. one of the that's one of the classic examples of it there are three i just forget what the the names of them are the rag and the wire one is a stock market version of the horse racing one that's interesting i think it's fascinating i would, not, I would be no good at that <laughs> I just wouldn't. Oh, which end? Are you going to be? <laughs> I, no, I'm just, I don't think I'd be a good scammer. I can barely look at these freaking comments without cracking up. Like, I just don't have a good poker face. So if I was playing fake shot or something like that, I, I wouldn't be any good at that. But if you were, like, there was a the way to, the way to, if you didn't, if you weren't any good at the scam, you were the roper. You just travel around if you're, and you look for traveling salesmen and you'd say, you just pitch them this story all the time. And you find someone who bites, and if the guy bites, and you just take him and introduce him to the inside man. Basically, your job is done at that point. The inside mm -hmm. man takes the money and gives you a cut of it. This mustache is my my Paul Newman yeah. sting mustache. That's a great mustache. <laughs> Probably won't be here next week. Oh, really? I'm getting a little over it. 
What a shame. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, I respect it. Hater. I mostly respect it because I can't grow one. I mean, looking at the two of you just makes me feel really emasculated. Oh, come on now. I can tell yours is, would be better than what, what I grew I assure you, I will grow this thing out for three weeks, and you will be looking at like a 15-year-old boy. It is disgusting. It's patchy, <laughs> and it's long, and it's gross. <laughs> The, the, I think the interesting thing about the big con is that I see versions of it in the stock market all the time. Like I think Nikola is an example Ooh. of the big con. Sing. So, and, and I think that any 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 entrepreneurial effort where they don't yet have the prototype or whatever built, and it or you know they're still value hacking as they call it, trying to figure out like how they're going to make money. Value hacking. That's what it's called. If you haven't figured that. out how you got to make money and you've raised a whole lot of money you're still basically at that stage where you're using these techniques. And, um, you know, it's, it's widely accepted that that's okay in society to do that. It's hard to go forward without people taking, having some faith in what you're doing. But I think as an investor, you need to be very, very careful about where you're laying your bet down and knowing exactly what you're doing. I mean, if you're participating in one of those things, then you've got to know when you're going to yeah. pull the ripcord and maybe you've got to watch revenue lines and things like that. I don't know. I mean, that would have been hard with Nicola, 100 grand. <laughs> So I, st I still don't think it's a fraud. I don't care what anybody says to me. If you bought into it, that's on you. But when we say when we say fraud, like no, I understand. I understand they were misrepresenting technology. I get it. I I mean I do understand how it's a fraud. But I think it's it, like it's a it's a it's a very fine line. Like I don't think it's like fraud is a very strong word, right? Fraud has you're a lawyer, you know that like. That's, yeah. that's theft with dishonesty. So that's very, very strong to say that something's a fraud. I'm not necessarily saying, I mean, Nicola maybe, but because they're misrepresenting where, you know, the, yeah. that they had a prototype, that they had some technology. I, I, I don't know though. I didn't see the offering documents. I didn't see what they were pitching to people, but you know, they'd be a little bit nervous there. I'd be a little bit nervous. I was reading tubes uh, recently. I've been doing like a deep dive on the infrastructure of the internet. Um, and the the interesting like an interesting anecdote in that book is the founder of Equinix when he was starting to get the very first interconnections you know I'm gonna mess up who he was talking to right but say he was talking to like AT and T he he knew that once Sprint came into the building AT and T would need to be there but he also knew that like there was no incentive until one of them came for all of them to come so like in the sales pitch he was like oh well AT&T's coming next week and then the guy from Sprint was like oh shit like I gotta sign up right but AT&T was not coming uh until he and went and said hey guess what Sprint's coming in next week like oh we gotta be there too <clears throat> that's right and uh and Home Depot was built on a similar lie uh they they couldn't get the financing for the inventory so they went to the like all of their manufacturers and they said fine like give us like two refrigerators but thousands of boxes right <laughs> or whatever so when you went in you had the perception of a full store but it was really just empty boxes behind it uh i think ken langone told that story on cnbc not that i mean a little while ago but when i heard it i was like oh that is wild i mean that's why i think that it's a fine line between hustle and fraud and i think that some of the you need the hustle to get a lot of these things going and i don't necessarily have a problem with hustle at all i think by the time you get to the public markets you can't be yeah. hustling anymore. You got to be, you got to have fair. something there, because people just can't do the diligence. Like I don't care if a VC walks into a store and sees a whole they lot of could boxes. Do the diligence. People don't do the. Well, it's, diligence. it's too hard for but me. I don't it's, an individual can't go and do diligence on Nikola. That's true, but when I see how many people I don't the buy stats... it, well, that's it. That's the answer. <laughs> you can't but short what if it either. I'm in an index fund. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, I was told to give away my money and never think. And now you're telling me that I have to think or negative consequences occur? Mere puffery. Respect That's the you word. Very much. You know what pisses me off? Like something that legit pisses me off is people bitching about in executive compensation and then investing in mutual or like index funds. You know who's never going to vote against executive compensation? Your index fund. So if you give away your right to vote, then you can't bitch when it comes back and bites you in the ass. Oh, and by the way, who do we want to fix it in this scenario? The government, who no one votes for anyway. Like, this is all insane. It's an abdication of responsibility, and it's upsetting. Anyway. But that's why right. I've got this comment up on the, on, the, on the screen at the moment. But that's why short sellers are a good thing. Short sellers are the guys going around making sure that these things don't get much bigger than they already are. Hindenburg did the entire world a service. Uh, I hope yeah. they made money out of it.
Dude, shout out to the short sellers. What's up, Alder Lane Eggs? Thanks for listening. <laughs> I like Mark. I don't think Mark spends his time listening to us, though. That's okay, though. Um, this is my favorite part of Value After Hours is when Bill assumes that people who don't listen are listening. <laughs> Every, everybody listens. Them. Everybody listens. Everybody well, takes but, time out but, of the day. Nothing the gets done. Thing is there's but only he's so earnest people. about it. I just It, it cracks me up. <laughs> Well, I was thinking, you know, this is actually like a sick thing, but last night I'm like falling asleep and I was like, I wonder how many of the Twitter accounts that say that they follow us is really just Ian Castle. And he's just out there with all these alt accounts and burner accounts just pumping up value after hours. And then I was like, but then how does Ian between all the VPNs and all his like burner accounts, how does he have time to do all the microcap stuff? But I know he's doing all this. He's Thank you, Ian. That's all I'm saying. Plus, he's That's acting what... like Corey on here, and he's acting like Mike. He's got those accounts. Like Ian is a busy dude. We got we got lots of we got lots of quality followers. Uh, what if my Ian man, was the corporate a... raider, is really just Ian? That's Ian's <laughs> raider alter a... ego. What if he was just an AI that was programmed to do this? Yes. <laughs> what if we actually are the people funding the AI? That's Ian. He's like Agent Smith in the Matrix. I mean, I'm just saying, we're talking about fraud. No one can say it's not true. You heard it on the interwebs. Um, I'll tell you what. Are we going to talk Edward Chancellor at all, or is that not a thing? Well, I don't know. Didn't we just I've got, I've got, to Edward Chancellor, I just pulled out a quote from, he's done, a, he's done a recent topics, interview. Man, that's not how the show <laughs> well, works. I'm going to throw it to you, mate. Here, here you go. <laughs> he says, he says, uh, and this is something that I put it to Cliff when he was on, because I, so, he says uh, he thinks that value starts working if inflation picks up. I've got no idea yeah, about this. Fair. Like I, I've heard this a few times, inflation or interest rates or whatever, because inflation, sorry, value is short duration in the sense that they're lower priced to the cash flow. And so uh, the near-term cash flows do a little bit better if you get higher inflation and become more attractive. Longer-term cash flows, P50, whatever, becomes less attractive. Uh, Empirically, there doesn't seem to be much support for that. So, you know, Cliff Asness at AQR wrote about it. I talked to him about it when, I, when he was on the podcast. He had um, his guys, Tobias Moskowitz, all those guys who are, you know, full-blown rocket scientists, geniuses, looked at this stuff and couldn't really find any connection. Cliff made this throwaway comment, though, where he's, I said it appeals to me intuitively, but I just... Uh, and I, I can't, it upsets me that there's no connection in the in the you know empirically. And yeah, Cliff yeah. said he had kind of brute forced it, and he thought that he had found some connection, and he was going to write it up. But he, that paper hasn't come out, and there's another one that or that post hasn't come out, and there's another one that's come out in the interim that didn't deal with it. So it, it's either on the back burner, or he's forgotten about it, or it's going to come out in the future. I don't know. Cliff, get to Dana binding. We need that confirmation bias here. Yeah, that's 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 why I do <laughs> all this right, stuff yeah. to collect all the that's all the so confirmation when said, bias. When you said brute forest, I was like, does this mean he data mined this? But Cliff would not. I'm not trying to get in a Cliff beef. I saw that stuff with him and Taleb. I'm not into that. I have enough shit going on in my life. I'm not trying to have Cliff come at me. I I, I like Cliff. I, I I don't disagree with anything he says. I don't have any. I was on Team Cliff for the record, Cliff. I know you're listening. I'm telling you, I was on your team. Uh, evidently, we've we might have we might have the connection might have broken up or something. But uh, we'll just do it for the three of us. <laughs> now we can be honest. That was Cliff. He should yeah. Oh, dang. That was yeah, the president's kill switch. The president's got an internet kill switch. Can't Dude, believe it hasn't been used crazy. yet. You're on dial-up. You need to sign up for Charter. Come on, man. I get the a a ADSL or whatever it is. Asymmetric. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that copper connection. Get out the of here. Twisted pair, mate, the twisted pair. The technology is so good. Twisted pair is going to be around forever. <laughs> um, and now we're now we're getting into uh, things that upset me. Um, hang on. Uh, oh, are we not? Are we not broadcasting now? I think we're back. We're back. Yeah, we're back. Okay. And we're back. Okay. You're welcome for the technical expertise here. I don't know what um, I don't know what we missed, but. Um, do you, do you, do you have some com hamster Bill? back on the... Yeah, get the no, I, on. I don't even know if I'm going to do my topic. Uh, we're just <laughs> I thought you didn't have one. I thought you were going to jump on Chancellor. Oh, well, I'm sort of piggybacking on your topic. We'll go. About do that. Something we'll that you time. said reminded me, and I, I have been noodling on this lately. Uh, I have a visceral aversion to things that people love. 
Okay, like that is my predisposition. I don't like things that are loved because I think that what the Grinch. You don't love yourself. I could be. I don't know. I've done a lot of work. I think I've come a long way in that. Um, But there was a time. Yes. Thank you for bringing up those dark days. Anyway. um, No, I just think that people tend to hype things that are liked a little bit too much. And that brings me to SAS, which has cost me a ton of money not to just like jump on the SAS train. But one of like my problems as an individual with SAS is let's say I got a subscription to Gartner. And let's say that I like got access to all of the people in the industry. I have this predisposition to believe that everyone has an extremely strong, motivated reason. Like, no, it is in no one's incentive to raise their hand and say, maybe the TAMs aren't this big. Or maybe this isn't going to go as well as everybody said. Like, right now, everybody is making so much money so fast in that. And we're living in the middle of like, and look, I would have said this shit like last year too. So I'm I'm wrong, right? Like don't listen. But if you want to know who you're listening to, this is how my brain works. We're living in the middle of like a time when a lot of things have been forced forward. And a lot of the uh like the um I guess like a lot of the TAM is actually realized and it enables people to even like further make uh these prognostications and I'm unclear that TAM has expanded versus we've just sort of found a different use or like whatever, right? And and no one that I would be reading or is getting clicks. Like one of my friends was saying, he's like, your podcast is doing pretty well, but like it's a value pod. What if it was a growth pod? Like imagine how well it's doing a lot do. better. <laughs> yeah, like we, yeah, we, like my we, portfolio. <laughs> yeah, like a shit ton of people would be tuning in, right? Um. So I don't know, like I just, I have a problem with, uh, I, I just, I don't believe the stuff that I'm reading uh, and maybe that's my own detriment. And it's not as if I like believe the turd pile necessarily, but I just think that there's a lot less incentive for, for the hype cycle to get going. And I just don't trust hype, like fundamentally. Yeah, I'm allergic to it too. I know, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't know exactly where you were going when you started that off. I thought you just didn't like things that people liked. <laughs> no, but I'm with you. Not. Like, I, you know, the valuation. I, I'm just, I, I'm just not gonna, I'm just not gonna value stuff on. You know, there's a, there's a component. There's an, there's a, a an earnings power component to it, a yield component to it, and then there's a growth component to it, and the the level of your success over the last five years say has been how much you trust and believe in the growth component and it's just been you know if i look back far enough over the data and i know we're in a brand new world where nothing that happened prior to 2011 matters anymore but i I still think that you know ultimately you're exchanging money for some cash flow and it doesn't matter how uh fast it grows you still can't, you can still pay too much for that. And the the consequences are not that the thing collapses. I don't think that for many of these names, they're not going to collapse. What they are going to do though, is bump sideways for a decade. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't, right? Maybe we're wrong and, and that's possible. And we have been, but like when you see Peloton release a big, hairy, audacious goal, first of all, I think that's stupid. But second of all, whatever, like of a hundred million, right? And people like go nuts. Yeah, I mean, I agree. If they get to 100 million, it's cheap. If they get to a billion, it's even cheaper. If they get to 4 billion, it's even cheaper. Like, what? Users? Yeah. I love Peloton. He said incredulously. (laughs) I I mean, I am a big time. They're going to sell 100 million bikes and have 100 million subscriptions. Look, I mean, you start going over the world, it's not that big of a market share. I mean, objectively. You're giving me the TAM argument. What? There's 7 billion people on the face of the planet Earth. In a household, right. there can be four. It's like 4.1 people per household. So we can be 4.1 Pelotons per household. No, no. And let's no, see. I, average I think income just looking at 100 of million households. Four people in the household. That's and you're correct. Pay how much for a bike? Well, a here's bike the that thing. doesn't go anywhere. They're going to start to sell the bikes cheaper. The bike Some is of these just people a don't even have bikes that actually take them somewhere, much less yeah. a bike that takes them nowhere. Look, they could take the Roku approach and just like give the bike away for the software. I mean, that's possible. But my point is like, who gives a shit if they said that's their goal? 
of course, like, what do you think they're going to do? You think the CEO is going to stand up on stage and be like, guys, that's it. That was a heck of a run, folks. We have hit our peak, and that's great. Like, no, that's not how anything works in the world. Of course he's got to say something to get the, the company and the employees motivated. Like, what are you going to do? You got a $25 billion valuation on vaporware. I mean, not that it's not that it's fake. I shouldn't call it vaporware, but there's so much air under that valuation. Like, of course you have to hype it. And people like are asking Mondays. me what I think. What I think is that, of course he said that. If you put that like credence in that i think you're crazy that's what i think i like mungers i think this is a good way to think about it there's a, a sliding scale on what equities can trade for and they can sometimes they trade for the use value the cash flow creation and sometimes they trade like rembrandts and more about you know has the price been going up and does someone else think that it'll keep going up and then they want to keep that going right and it that it can slide back and forth from either side depending on the general mood but you know at some point it's somewhere along this continuum and we're a little bit more towards the rembrandt side of the world trading sardines that's another way of saying it well and i like in case i haven't been clear enough i love peloton like i use it i use the app i use it for ab work i use the workouts at home like i get the value proposition I also think it's insane to put any faith in what they're saying when it comes to big, hairy, audacious goals. It's I'm also, sure Ford's is to start to be relevant again. It's also it's a little bit difficult to see what the world looks like, I think, post this little... I think this has been an unusual period. Like lockdowns is an unusual thing, right? We, I hope that that's an unusual thing. We're not all looking back at the good old days 10 years from now, still locked down, but... I wonder how much of the things that are going on are just people are like just extrapolating the very near term out to to her, to the horizon when there's probably going to be a little bit of things going back to normal. Maybe not everything. Maybe most people figure out that they like working from home or they don't like the commute or they like bedroom communities. I don't know. There's going to be a change, but not as much as we've seen. It's what it seems to me. I mean, I don't know. And I get the value proposition, but like... People also want to leave their homes. What's the subscription for Peloton? Is it thirty bucks a month? Yeah, Gee, that's I, fat. I mean, dude, if if you use it, it's not that bad, man. Thirty bucks a month. It's not that bad. What do you, what do you pay workouts. for? What do you, what do you pay for your uh, for your Netflix subscription? Like fourteen. Yeah, but that's underpriced. That's just consumer subsidies driving valuation. What if somebody comes up with the YouTube version of? Well, it's probably YouTube. Somebody sets up a, their their own channel where they're just gonna they're gonna get on a bike and give you a, a live and then a recorded Look, version of. I like Peloton. I'm not leaving Peloton. They give me what I want, and it's a good product. I'm not shitting on the product, but I do agree with you that there are there is a lot of ways for them to lose. That said, if they get the luxury part of that market, that's worth a lot of money. But I don't know what that's worth. Like, how, you want me to put a pinpoint valuation on it, and I'm gonna pay what today? Like, I thought it was rich at seven billion. What's the, what's the attraction? Is it the fact that does it? Because I don't I don't have one. I, I I don't use one. Is it because that they can see your see what you're doing, and they can like give you a shout out and comment on what you're doing, and you can compare yourself to everybody else in real time? Yeah, I don't I don't even take the live classes. I. I think um, why aren't I mean, you just getting a YouTube? Adopt- why don't you just find someone who's doing it on YouTube and f- follow them? I mean, psychologically, there's something meaningful about the Peloton community for me. As dumb as it sounds, it's real. And I also think they have good classes. Like I, I like the personalities that they have. That said, I don't think the personalities are where the value accrues. I think if they, I mean, if they kick my boy Tucson off, I'd be pretty pissed. But. Uh, <laughs> At least judging from... He'll just go and set up his own YouTube channel. Yeah, this is the argument that everybody has. I don't think it's that easy. The fact that you went male on the selection on this goes completely against everything I've heard about Peloton. Nah, he's the best, man. I also like hip-hop, so I can listen to his tracks. You get Instagram influencers to jump on a bike and and ride and, and shout out what they're doing. I don't think it's that easy to do. But, it's, but, but I also invest in QVC, and that's what people say about QVC. Why can't Instagram influencers just do all this shit? I just don't think it's that easy. I think but QVC, QVC is different. QVC is in the business of content production, and they're monetizing that content production really, really well. 
and I can stick it yeah. out over any number of for QVC as the source like it's hard, it is hard to generate the content and I get that I get that Peloton is ge- generating the content my question is whether and I think that they're probably doing a very good job making a lot of money probably going to grow really quickly it's not worth 25 billion dollars though I mean like I said I thought it was rich at seven so rates bro well that's fair <laughs> pull it all forward pull it all forward at zero percent Throw well, your... and like like about the hundred million subs you've got people at home in a pandemic okay when are you going to get a bigger tailwind for that business and now we're going to grow off this base like this is this pulled forward a lot of years of growth if you didn't buy one by now what you think like next year you're going to be like oh i could go to the gym but you know when i was stuck in home i opted not to do this but now that i have all these options sure i'll sign up like no i just i don't buy it yeah extrapolation is very dangerous in the investment world but, used to be i mean shit if i used was used to be before for... yeah before we just like canceled reversion to the mean yeah there's no more there's no more mean reversion i saw that mean reversion's gone for the last 15 years i was surprised to learn i haven't even projects, looked at this uh, yeah look at this shit. interest this rates uh back since march if you got any questions throw them in we're we're a little bit late for that 5x since March. Toby, can we can we People go over a little bit it today? This uh, stock is going up today. That's crazy. <laughs> then again, why wouldn't it? Because the people that own it don't want to sell it. And if you want exposure, you got to buy it. And if you want to buy it from people that aren't selling, you got to pay more. That's how the market works. So the demand for shares is higher than than the supply. But I have a hard rants. time believing that that stays. Rembrandt's here. Get your Rembrandt's. Is YouTube going to be the massive disruptor to the media industry that everybody makes it out to be? I think no, so. No, it's going to suck in perpetuity. <laughs> YouTube? Next. Yeah, dude. You think it sucks? Yes. Why so? Because <laughs> they just jam us with loads and I don't get any money. Or with ads. Oh, I, I see. Think, yeah. I don't think like they're that great. Like at music, Spotify is better than them in most people's eyes. I just think that they they haven't like figured out what this channel is. I Cobra paid for the Kai, subscription. Dude, it's everything. I paid for it. It's everything. But Cobra Kai was nothing on YouTube and then they throw it on Netflix and it's exploded. Well, cuz they uh, cuz they I, jam it down your throat. Like I don't I don't want to watch it. I got to I got to It's like playing it a computer game popular. trying to dodge the tile. It's very good. It's a good show. Uh. <laughs> Johnny Lawrence is He's my, he's my new favorite person. He's your spirit animal. I, Too many people like it, so I'm surprised you're in on it, Bill. Well, you know, I didn't know that people liked it when I got into it. That helps. Um. Oh, the Rogan Spotify fiasco. Yeah, I got a ton of thoughts. Oh yeah, why? Well, I, I didn't always put that need to shut up. That's my thoughts. What? what what's? What's your thoughts? The employees get a life. Dude, I saw a good theory like what, yesterday. You want a guy like that canceled? You want a guy that honestly has interesting conversations with people that otherwise don't have a voice? You want that guy canceled? Go fuck yourself. That's my thoughts. Dude, it's it's a brilliant it's a brilliant marketing campaign. Speech. It's a brilliant marketing campaign, right? Yeah. By Spotify, they've got they've got they've got some brilliant guerrilla marketing guys in there. Have like like what's what's Rogan's brand? It's like free speech, talking about anything. Let's say we're going to shut that down. And then, of yeah. course, everybody's going to tune in to support him and show that they they love watching. It's in the same way that Netflix did that thing with cuties. You know how that, like, pretty gross. I, and I, I, yeah. I haven't watched the show, but I did notice that as soon as it came out, it was like the number two watch show on Netflix. I was like, that's right. It used to be, that was the trick. You'd get some old, you'd get some uh, middle-aged, like, I had to use the word Karen because I might get in trouble for that later. But, you know, that's the idea. Yeah, that's what we're currently calling that, them. Yeah. The Karen goes to the window and sees a painting of a nude and says, this is terrible and tells that you get a newspaper journalist that'll write that down, creates a huge controversy. The next day, you got people lined up down the block to come in and have a look at your dirty painting in the window. Same thing, work for cuties. Somebody said that about QVC. They were like, "What's like, like, why would I want to partner with them so you, they can sell goods to Karens? I was like, uh, first of all, that's a pejorative term, dude. Secondly, uh, <laughs> second of all, Karen spends a lot of money, so you might want to partner with somebody that's selling stuff to her. That, wasn't that kind of what uh, Howard Stern benefited from, like battling with the FCC? I always kind of wondered if all of that was a bit of a kabuki theater. Fugazi. To, 
Yeah, it might have been Kayfabe. a little bit of Fugazi to get, uh, just to like, you know, drum up interest. Like, oh, he must be saying something really salacious if they're paying fines and he's Dude, battling with Les Moonves. And, first know. of all, there is some of that that is true. Okay, I really might get myself in hot water over this, but whatever. When Caitlyn Jenner called him transphobic for the, for the what he said, I listened to that entire episode. That was an insane statement by an uninformed individual, even though the joke was about them. And, like, he was describing a joke. And the fact that that can be controversial in this day and age is somewhat concerning to me. Now, I don't know how big the problem is, and I don't know how big the magnifying glass is, but, like, it's insane if that's if what he said is actually truly controversial to people. I, I have a real question about where they want society to go. Because I am not OK with with that being controversial. You start getting into that and you start even upsetting me. There are lots of there are lots of examples of those little mind viruses taking over societies, though, like they burned witches, the Spanish Inquisition, communism in China, com- communism in Russia. Like these things come up all the time and society either pushes it back down. Like you get the immune response and it's all over or it takes over and in which case the world gets a little bit more miserable. So we're kind of at that tipping point right now, I think. But I think there's an yeah. immune response and I think Where it's are we over. Going, Toby? I think there's an immune response and it's all over. Mm. As soon well, as you we'll see, see people pushing back on it in the mainstream media, it's over. We'll find out in November. No, I think it'll take a little <laughs> bit longer than that. <laughs> okay, good. Woo, we're getting political. Oh, God. Good for some downvotes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, To be fair, that was a question that we were addressing. That wasn't just like off-the-cuff political commentary. Doesn't matter. Take it out of context. (laughs) Well, whatever. People need to get a little bit harder. Go to Cobra Kai. Stop being Bill's transphobic is the headline already. I could see. Oh, <laughs> How'd you do that? Area, area Florida man. You're gonna get the, the podcast oh, is cancelled. Turn not funny quick. Oh, Does Apple have a greater moat than Google? <laughs> <laughs> good, good segue. Yeah, that was smooth, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't. Really, I, I. Apple is very disappointing to me lately. I do like my AirPods. I'll give them that. I see no need to upgrade my phone. The Pixel Buds like, are pretty basically sweet. remind me, dude. They remind me of the cable company. Like they're just like bundling stuff and selling me like half-ass solutions at a cheaper price because I'm in their ecosystem. That's so not Apple. It is. It is. It is hard to keep to, to keep on going. iPod, iPad, iPhone. Like that's a pretty impressive. Like you need you need a genius in there to do that. And then after that, you know, you gotta. You're not going to get that genius again, but you can still make a lot of money. Sorry, J2. For sure. And like, what do they do? They get you on the financing plan so that you can upgrade your phone and it's just five bucks a month. But it's all like gimmicks now to me. It's not like this is a dope product. Go buy it. It's just like, how do we get people to recycle quicker? And that's, I don't know that that's historically great in consumer tech. I would, uh, I think they have a real opportunity to, I'll take the other side just for fun, but to be a stalwart for privacy for an individual and to take a very strong stand for that, I think that that would serve them very well. They're not ad driven as like these other companies. They have a chance to, if if like if I felt like there was a company out there that was really looking out for my privacy and my data and like that's a worth a lot to me then. That's and a good I think point. they would be very smart to to keep pushing on that. That's as a very compelling to, pitch. Yeah. You know, Android is I mean, it's free basically, so that it's can sell more ads. Facebook is trying to just sell me ads. Uh everybody else has sort of an ulterior motive to the value that they're providing and they're backdooring the revenue in a way. Yeah. That's well, a good pitch. I mean there's Something to be said for wanting to just pay up and get the service that you want and not be sold something later. That's a really good pitch. Yeah. They should be leaning on that hard. They are. They are. You'll see, like, they'll talk about that. But I think they could, in today's world, I think they have a real opportunity to keep pushing on that as a as a differentiating point. I, I think the funny thing is my wife's kind of very anti all of the uh, intrusions. So she's got, she's got the browser that doesn't track you and she uses DuckDuckGo and all those sort of things. And she says, the problem is huh. like the experience is so much worse than using yeah, Google really. and those other things. Because the search isn't tuned up. Like you do a search and you get pages of junk results. 
Yeah. Uh, I would never use DuckDuckGo. Like, that's I'd, unfortunate. Google's already got enough on me to blackmail me. So, like, what do I... <laughs> yeah, you can't leave. Switching now is going to change. You can't change. leave. Come on. That, I got, that search history. Phil, we like got your a, search history, brother. <laughs> looks yeah, like, a, right. like a Silk Road uh, <laughs> landmine yeah, went off. Back in those times when you reminded me that I didn't love myself. Google knows all those searches. Apple can come and sponsor this podcast too now, by the way. Yeah, welcome. Yo, I would I would use your products if you give me some of that Tim Cook money. Also, I went to Auburn. Holler at your boy. Folks, Tim, Tim, Cook. Tim, Tim Apple money. That's yeah, com- that's that, right. Give me that Tim Apple money. That's coming up in time, amigos. That was fun. All right. I enjoyed it too. I hope other people did. If folks Don't come at me over my Peloton, I've thoughts. been forgetting to do this. If folks want to get in t- contact with you guys or follow along, what's your Twitter accounts? Nah, stay away. <laughs> yeah, go, you don't want don't this in your life. Farnham Jake go, one. Go. I'm Greenback. G R E E N B A C K D. I'm at Bill Brewster S C G. Go take a walk outside instead of going on Twitter. Jake has a great Advice. book that you should read. All day. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was fun. See you all next right. week. If we're not cancer, we'll be back next week. Bye. That's right. <laughs>